This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. If you don't take the time to get to know what really, really matters to somebody, whether that's professional or personal, you truly don't know what gets them up in the morning and gets them excited about whatever they're doing. And it doesn't even have to be, they're excited about the work itself, but whatever they're doing enables them to live this broader life that they want. It's so important to know like what is really deep down that that's really pushing them to create action in their lives. And then you tailor your message based on that. Welcome to the Leaders Lens live event. We appreciate all of you for making the time to be here. You're a big deal. It's been incredible building community. I'm sure a lot of you subscribe to the newsletter. Thank you so much for that in the first place. But we're excited to dig in and talk through effective communication, specifically setting the stage for effective communication. And Ashley, what do you think of setting the stage for effective communication? What comes to mind? In terms of setting the stage, I think I love to start with just like definitions. I think I define communication just in general as like our ability to put our thoughts into words. I love to just start with like the most simple kind of approach to things. If we're talking about something that has a lot of density, a lot of complexity and communication obviously does, but I think setting the stage for effective communication is really kind of just boiling it down to its core components. And I think core components of effective communication is taking your thoughts and putting those into words in a way that your audience understands. I love that. Just connecting with your audience, being intentional about how the message is delivered and how it will be received as well. And I want to also set the stage for this session. And what we ask from you is be engaged, be in the chat. You're going to get out of this, what you put into it. When you're hearing ideas, I'm going to challenge you. Don't think about whether or not I've heard this before, but think about how well am I actually executing on this within my own life, but with my team as well. And if there are things in the chat that we're talking about that resonate with you, drop a line in the chat, give us a thumbs up, put a fire emoji, put a let's go, whatever you want, whatever gets you excited. We want to make sure this time is a great return on investment. We'll have time for questions at the end, but we also encourage you, bring your questions throughout the session. If something comes up, you like to clarify, you want to add on to a point we're making, the chat is a great place for that. We love to see the engagement. It helps us know that what we're talking about is relevant for you. So let's look at a data point as far as why communication is such a big deal and why we really need to be focused on it as leaders. So three and four employees, the effective communication as the number one leadership attribute, number one. But less than one in three employees feel like their leaders communicate efficiently. Ashley, when you saw this data point, which came from Gallup Research, did it surprise you? Well, it did and it didn't. I mean, I think the first part to me is is intuitive. It makes a lot of sense. I think everyone, you know, wants their leaders to be good at communicators, to be good at communication. But then when it actually comes down to the communication itself, I actually think there's a lot of people that say that there's room for improvement. And it also doesn't shock me because I think that's why so many people are disengaged in their work. It's just messages are not being received well. I think communication really is the core of of an employee's experience and also the leader's experience at a company. So it doesn't really shock me all that much seeing these seeing these stats. Awesome, awesome. I'm sure if you're in the uh, if you're watching this right now, I mean, probably doesn't shock a lot of you either. We've probably all worked for bosses that were not great at communication, but they worked for others that were excellent. And as an employee, you definitely feel the difference. And so as leaders, 
we can make sure we're creating the environment and we're having the communication processes that are necessary to provide a good experience for the people on our, on our team. And then Anna chipes in the chat. Most of them don't have the skills or tools to know how to do that. That is exactly it. And that's why we're here. We want to make sure leaders have the tools to be that they need to be successful. And so much of communication, it is about what happens before the message is delivered, which is why we're focusing on setting the stage today. And I love this quote by Abraham Lincoln. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. That's a, that's a big deal right there. And so we want to hear from you. What is the biggest communication challenge you face as a leader? Put it in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. We'll, we'll call out some of the answers as we start seeing them come through. But how about for you, Ashley? What are some of the biggest communication challenges that you've experienced as a leader yourself or you see other leaders experience? For me, I think it's cutting through the noise. A leader told me the other day that as you get higher and higher up with kind of the work that you're doing, it's essentially kind of comes down to repeating messages and doing it in five different ways to make sure what you're trying to say gets across to the people that you work with. And I actually think that's really true. I think oftentimes we think a message gets received, but it really doesn't. There's a lot of assumptions that go into it. And I think for me, you know, when I'm communicating to to the folks on my team, it's really just making sure I'm cutting through the noise of all the distractions of all the things that are kind of showing up in that person's you know day or experience and just making sure that they feel very very seen in that conversation and that i'm fully present with them because there's a lot of distractions going on there's a lot of stuff going on in the world 100 percent, keeping the person's attention making sure they're in a safe space where they're they're able to receive the information i think is a big part of what you're touching on as well um courtney puts in the chat adjusting to everyone's communications level because there's not a one-size-fits-all answer that's so perfect like you can't have a cookie credit approach to being a leader because being a leader because people are different, right? And we have to understand our team if we're going to communicate with them effectively. Jada puts appropriate language. Absolutely. There's different language that's appropriate for different situations. Encouraging honesty. That's great, Jessica. And I think a lot of that is making sure people feel safe where they can be honest and transparent and vulnerable. And a lot of times as leaders, that means we have to set the stage and be the mirror of what we want to see. This chat is blowing up right now. I, I'm loving this. Great energy in here. Thank you. Um, Leah put the multiple platforms that you need to communicate. Awesome one. Kind of scrolling through. So if I skip yours, I apologize. I'm trying to, to catch a few of them here. Mary put communicating to a diverse group. Another one. Another great answer there. Awesome. So great answers in here. We can see that there are a lot of challenges when it comes to communication. Being able to listen. We're going to talk about that one today. I think it's Leo that put that. So thank you for that. And then changing communication from peer to leader. You're right. It is a little bit different when you step into that leadership role and how you're going to talk to your team. So we're going to take a moment here to, to introduce ourselves, give you a chance to meet the cast. We're going to talk about communication truths, then setting the stage, and we'll have a chance for uh, to give you a template you can use with your team at the end of it. So make sure you stick around. We'll give you a template you can use when communicating that's going to be effective and make sure everybody feels seen and understands why the message is important and valuable for them. And we'll have time for Q&A, but like you said, don't feel like you need to wait till the end for the questions. So first, let's meet the staff, Ashley Artrip. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is yeah. Ashley Artrip? Well, again, first off, Jacob, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. It's very near and dear to my heart, and it's a very broad topic, but there's so much nuance that goes into it, and I think it speaks to a lot of the different elements of my background. So just for a little bit of context on on myself, I actually worked at Gallup for a few years. I did a lot of work on the Gallup Strengths Finder Assessment. I'm a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach as Jacob, which we geek out a lot about strengths, which is really fun. 
But I spent a lot of time researching employee engagement, really figuring out what makes people show up at work in the most effective and engaged version of themselves. From there, I actually co-founded a startup called Mission Collaborative, where I have helped now over 15,000 people change careers to something that's more fulfilling, whether they were burnt out, frustrated, or just not loving what they were doing and needed a next step. Crafting kind of an experience around that has been a really strong passion of mine. And now recently, Workweek was so great and they acquired Mission Collaborative and now I'm the general manager of education here at Workweek. So what that means is I get to build amazing professional development courses, obviously effective communication, being kind of a a foundational set of all the curriculum that we build here at Workweek. And it's just been a dream come true. And again, thank you so much, Jacob, for having me on today. There's just so much that we can cover in, in this time. Absolutely. And Christina said she took the Gallup Strength Assessment. I'd love to see your strengths in the chat. If you want to want to share them, Christina. And then Tracy just finished the Mission Collaborative Fellowship. So oh that's my gosh, Tracy, that's well. great. Wow. I love that. But I love it. My worlds collide. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell a little bit about myself as well. My name is Jacob Espinoza. Um, I spent three years as a leadership consultant at a Fortune 500 company. I transferred out of that and uh, started a nonprofit in my city, Salem, Oregon, which is called the McLaren Leadership Foundation. And last February, I actually left and I joined the Workweek team as a director of Creator Success, but I've been writing the new Leaders Lens newsletter since August. And it's just, it seems like it's been longer than six months, but also like it's only been three weeks since I got started as well. But it's been an incredible experience building communities and we appreciate all of you being here and wanting to get better. Like leadership is such an important role. When you work for a leader that inspires you, that empowers you, like you just leave the day feeling better, right? But sometimes we work for leaders that have the opposite effect or we become that leader unintentionally that makes people feel built, uh, beat down. They leave their heads, leave work with their heads down. They take that energy to home to their family, into the community, so if we can understand how to be more impactful leaders, we can literally make the world a better place because the energy that people leave work with is going to get, is going to spread and becomes contagious. And I think communication is a, is a big part of that. So let's now look at a communication truth. You can't communicate effectively with people you don't understand. If you don't take the time to get to know your team, it's going to be impossible to craft a message that connects with them. There was recently a, a couple of hiccups that CEOs have made that have now become public. One where a, a certain CEO kind of put her team on blast a little bit and said, you just need to focus on hitting your goals. I don't want to hear about your problems. I'm rephrasing it a little bit, but I think that's how it really was interpreted by the team. And then another where a CEO congratulated somebody for selling their dog, their family dog, so they could come back to the office instead of working at home. And I think these are both really great examples of a leader sharing a message, but showing that they really don't understand the people that they are communicating with. And communication, it requires having compassion. And compassion is empathy plus action. You can't just listen to understand. You also have to take action that shows that you care about the people that you're working for. If you have this consistently, where you take the time to understand people, you show that you care, it's going to be a lot easier to deliver a hard message because your team's going to be buy-in and they're going to know that they're working for a leader or a boss that appreciates them and takes care of them. On the other side, if you work for somebody that you don't have that trust established, it's going to be almost impossible to deliver an effective message because they already have this lens that this person isn't really listening to me and doesn't really take what I'm saying serious. So it's, a, it's important to think through the things that lead up to that message. Anything you want to add to that piece, Ashley? 
I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, I think, at the end there uh, in particular. But I think really what it comes down to is, you know, when you're actually delivering that piece of that message that may be really difficult, that itself should be kind of the easiest part. And I, I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but I what I mean by that is I think the hard work needs to happen before that conversation. So I think it's really important that you know how that person's headspace is that week. You need to know how they effectively receive messages, how to support them if you're you know, delivering hard messages to them. All of those things you should be doing as preparation at all times as a leader so that when you have to deliver hard messages, you know them really well. You know how they receive you know, content like this. You know how to support them. You know how to communicate with them in those moments. And so when you're delivering that, that hard message, it's really just the act of saying the words and being present in that conversation instead of trying to do all this work on the spot of like, okay, well, how do I be empathetic in this moment? How do I figure out what's going on in their head? All that stuff could be done and should be done before that meeting. And it takes small, tiny habits. Someone was reading Atomic Habits. I love that book. And one of the big takeaways around effective habit building, and I think this is actually really true for effective communication, is doing small things that are regular so you get results and you're moving things in the right direction. And so what that could look like for effective communication could always be that you start a one-on-one just really checking in and see where someone's headspace is, see what their emotional state is, so you know at all times you know how they're feeling and how they're experiencing the world. And so you don't have to really shift a message all that much when you're on the spot because you know exactly kind of how they're experiencing things on kind of a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. I love it. So let's now look at the things that prevent us from understanding our teams. And these top two, these are really internal focuses, right? Our emotions, the things that we focus on, the strength lens is both. It's how we see ourselves, but also how we see other people. And then the, uh, the last two, it's really how we see the outside world and things that allow us to see things as they are without having our own biases impact that. So the first, we are controlled by our emotions because the same is true for our emotions. Like we're not ourselves when we're stressed or we're anxious or we're scared. And we need to be aware of that when we're feeling these emotions, it's going to impact the way we interact with the world around us. Sometimes that means that we might just like think every idea is a bad idea. And it's not because ideas are bad. It's just because we're stressed out in that moment and we're just not in a space to really have an honest lens on how we're, we're seeing the world around us. So if we're able to control our emotions, we can be intentional in how we respond instead of reacting based out of the emotion we're experiencing at that moment. The second piece is focusing on things outside of our control. Do you want to elaborate on this one a little bit, Ashley? Yeah, I think a lot of times when we're in difficult conversations or we're prepping for a difficult conversation, whether that's at work or in life, I think we have a tendency to focus a lot on ourselves and what's making us anxious and what happens if this doesn't go well. What are all the things that I have pressure on if I don't deliver this message to my direct report? You know, what's going to happen to me or what's going to happen to the department? And I also think, too, things around just, you know, like kind of playing out scenarios of different reactions that they might have that maybe aren't really rooted in, in any sort of reality or any sort of experience, but it's sort of our anxieties kind of getting the best of us. And so I think, you know, it oftentimes can prevent us from speaking concisely and clearly on what the actual communication, what the actual message is, because we're so focused on all these other things that we're actually losing the message itself. So powerful. 
the next one, we don't use a strengths lens. And so if we're focusing on the things that are wrong with us and wrong with the people around us, it changes how we see the person. It changes how we see their potential and our potential. But if we shift that lens and focus on the value people bring, we can really understand who somebody is truly and help bring the best out of them. And also just give us a clearer perspective on how we can communicate with them because the things that they are good at are probably the things that they enjoy. If we understand their strengths, we can communicate a message that builds off of those strengths, which is a really big deal. Um, the next one, we all have biases. Do you want to touch on this one as well, Ashley? Oh man, I could run through the whole laundry list of, of biases that, that we bring into every conversation, every interaction. There are so many of them. And I think it's really, really important as leaders that we are just constantly looking at the ways that we might be biased or, or how our decision making, how we communicate, all of those things, you know, could be riddled with bias. And I think what's really important to touch on here is that's why trust is so important, because when somebody trusts you, they are able to have a really honest conversation with you and, and perhaps give you feedback if they're hearing like something you're saying is biased. You know, whether that's a direct report or a peer within your organization, it's human nature to be biased. But what we can do about it is is pay attention as leaders and also ask for feedback and really build that trust so that when we are biased and when we when that does show up, there's just a really it's coming from a place of kindness to work through that and to overcome those biases. I love it. And I'll just add that we are finishing up a course that dives into all of these in a lot more detail and give you some tactics and tools you can use to make sure you are in a productive mindset and are able to communicate effective messages. So we're trying to just give you a quick, quick rundown right now to give you some context, but I'm really excited for this course to finish up. And in the chat, we're getting some gold, some absolute gold. So I appreciate you all for sharing. The last one we'll touch on here, we are bad listeners. I think uh, just a general best practice is assume that you're a terrible listener because you probably are. Like most of us are more interested in waiting for our spot to say what we have to say and less interested in actually understanding somebody and seeing somebody deeply. But if we can put away the distractions and put away our biases in a moment, we can really see somebody for who they are and take time to be curious instead of critical on why they do the things that they do. And if we can see our team at that level, it's going to be much easier for us to communicate an effective message with them because we'll know what's important to them and you can't communicate with somebody if you don't know what's important to them. So creating an effective message, here's another truth. The effectiveness of your message is a result of your ability to connect with your audience. They need to know what's in it for them. They don't really care what's in it for the business. They don't really care what's in it for you as their leader. They want to know what's in it for them personally. And the only way you can communicate that is by knowing what's important to them. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here again, Ashley, but what are some ways that you've learned that have helped you with your team to understand what's important to them? I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage here because I have individualization as my number one strength. So within the Gallup Strengths Finder assessment, there are 34 themes. Individualization is my number one. And really what that means is that I see everyone in a very unique lens. I see their strengths. I see who they are. But I think kind of the way I approach things is pretty applicable. It could be pretty applicable no matter what strength you lead with. And I think what it really it comes down to is knowing what drives them. I think there's so much extrinsic motivation that you hear for how people work and what inspires them and what makes them want to grow. But if you don't take the time to get to know what really, really matters to somebody, whether that's professional or personal, you truly don't know what gets them up in the morning and gets them excited about whatever they're doing. 
And it doesn't even have to be they're excited about the work itself, but whatever they're doing enables them to live this broader life that they want. It's so important to know like what is really deep down that that's really pushing them to create action in their lives. And then you tailor your message based on that. And so I think with effective communication, it's figuring out what people get excited about and providing them with the tools to understand that, hey, whatever you're trying to work on together can get them to that broader outcome that they deeply care about just as much as it can you know, help you and whatever you're trying to get them to do as well. It also just comes from a much better place because you want to see them win. You want to see them grow and, and develop. And I think one of the things that has made me really an effective manager in the first kind of few years of, of me doing this is I always sit down with a direct report and I ask the questions like, what is the broader career goals that you have? And I draw a Venn diagram and I say, here are your broader career goals. Here are the company's goals. And then the Venn diagram where those overlap, I try to make sure that a lot of their responsibilities and the work that they do and the things that I'm really pushing them on falls in between those two and the where those circles intersect. And so I'm really helping them grow and develop from their intrinsic motivation and goals, but also aligning that with what does the broader company and team mean. I mean, to make sure we include that activity in the course, because that's such a cool activity in such a simple way for your team to see that I'm listening to what you're telling me and I want to know what's important to you. And I'm not just listening, I'm taking action on it. Like I'm basing your role. I'm trying to at least, you know, be as creative as possible to give you the opportunity to do more of the things that you love, which is just such a cool experience to work for somebody that has that perspective. So really appreciate you sharing that. And I think you touched on another point that sometimes like the best way to know what's important to them is just to ask them, like, what's important to you? And it seems like such an obvious step, but we don't always take that step, you know, consistently, especially if things get hectic, we have new people joining our team. Sometimes they can get lost in the mix if we're not intentional about having processes to make sure that we know everybody in our team, what's important to them, why they do the things that they do. So great call out, Ashley. And then Christina has a great point here that I want to touch on. So her statement is, I challenge that some people do care what's in it for the business, but when they're not bought into the decision or feel part of the decision-making process is where I see a lot of breakdown in the message. That's a great call out. Like people want to support the things that they help create. I think the outcome of caring about your team is that they end up caring about the team, right? If you think of Patrick Lencioni's five steps to, or five dysfunctions of a team, the top tier is that people care about the success of the group more than the success of the individual but that's a process to get there. We don't start at that place. We have to kind of put in the steps of developing trust, overcoming the fear of conflict, having accountable conversations. All these things show this person that we care and are, are invested in them. And the outcome of that is that now they, they're invested in the business. So great call there, Christina. I, I don't disagree with that at all. The question for Mario, then what do you recommend if during one-on-ones, you have a really hard time to get certain team members to offer feedback, acknowledge meaningful goals, everything is fine. I just want to make more money. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Ashley, as well, but I'll get it started. I feel like if they're telling you that they just want to make more money, like just kind of accept that as face value. If we believe the things that they tell us or we show them that that we believe them, that will develop trust. But I think if we try to pry in and make them share more than they're comfortable with, that actually might do more harm than good. Some people are just going to be a lot less comfortable in sharing information. You're going to have to really develop that trust. Also, another tactic is you might give them the questions in advance to give them time to think through it. I know like we have templates that we use at work week with our one-on-one -on -one questions. So we'll talk about other things, but we have like five questions that we're going to go over every single week. What's on your mind? I always start every conversation just with what's on your mind. 
just a coaching tactic that I've used. But then it's like, what are your priorities? What obstacles do you have? How can I support you? And so my team knows that every week we're going to talk about these five things. So people that are more introverted, that want more time to think through an idea before they bring it to the table, they have time to think through that, which has allowed them to be more comfortable. So I think just kind of to summarize that, I would say when they're giving you the answers, like be comfortable with that answer, show them that you're empathetic and that you're going to take action based on that answer. And then just over time, trust that you'll, you'll develop that trust. Try not to force it in the moment because that could actually damage trust. Yeah, I, I think that's really great. I wouldn't actually add a whole lot to that, Jacob. I think that's really important. You don't ever want to be the type of leader that's really pushing somebody to say, how can we grow? How can we develop? If somebody you know sees their work as, you know, this is a paycheck for me and it's allowing me to live the life that I want, I think that's completely okay. You know, I think this is actually kind of the core of what effective communication is, is not everybody is going to see the world exactly the way you do. You're not going to see development the way I do. You're not going to show up and at work the way I do. And it's completely okay. I would also say, you know, not prying or prodding in the moment is great. But I think it's also then this this should be a it, something should be going off in your head of, okay, I want to make sure I am consistently checking in with this person. If they say everything is fine, that could be a symptom of something else too. So I would just challenge to say that you don't need to prod or pry in the moment, but if you hear somebody consistently saying everything is fine, but maybe notice that something's a little off, I would just say, continue to monitor that and just be an empathetic person that they can listen to or they can go to for problems and questions, but not feel like you were solving their problems or, or having to fix anything. So I would just say, make sure you monitor that. But I, I agree, Jacob, that prodding can oftentimes cause a little bit more harm than good. Thank you so much for the other question, Mario. Hopefully that, that helped a little bit, give some context. Feel free to put a follow-up if you have it, but we'll try to get to it. All right, before we get to the template and what we recommend you should say, let's look at five things that you should never say to your team. And in the chat, if you've heard somebody say one of these, give us a thumbs up or put the number that you've seen or heard or maybe you said it yourself. You know, I've, I've definitely have been guilty as I've learned and, and grown as a leader. I said a few of these, but the first, we need more from you. Without any context, like that's kind of a tough one for somebody to hear because generally people wake up and the, like nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to go be bad at my job today, right? Like nobody just wants to do that. When people aren't doing well, there's probably something that's getting in their way. And if we assume the best intentions, a better approach to number one, is assume the best intentions and figure out like what's preventing this person from actually getting more. See how you can support them. Brandy pushed, she's put scene one and four. So thank you for sharing that. But it's time to get out of the pity party. This is one that we saw recently happen very publicly when a group of employees was upset about not getting in a bonus when the CEO was still getting their bonus. And there was not an empathetic approach. I think this leader was very stressed in the moment. And unfortunately responded with this, as opposed to addressing the concern with a more compassionate approach. I think the result is that we do want to help our team get out of that mindset of things that are outside of their control and really focus on like, what are the things we can do to be better? But how we get there is going to be more effectively. There's more effective ways to say this than, than how, how she approached it. Now, number three, you don't need to know why, just execute. Has anybody heard a leader say this? Like three, I see a few people that put three in here. Like, you don't need to know why, just do what I say. Why am I supposed to do this? Because I'm your boss and I told you so. Like, that's not a motivating approach. Nobody leaves work inspired after hearing that conversation. Now, number four, you need to do more with less. 
we've kind of been in this world where people are, you know, dialing things back. I think especially if you work in journalism, the last like 10 years, like every year, people are expected to do more with less. But simply telling somebody to do more with less is not not very inspiring. And then the last one, maybe the the worst on the list, but I've actually heard this exact phrase from a boss. Like, that's a you problem. Like, it's tough to work for that person that doesn't want to be there with you in the trenches when things get bad, but wants you to figure it out on your own, especially when you're coming to them asking for support. Hey, Christina put, startup life is like number four constantly. Absolutely. There are definitely times to stay, stay scrappy, but I think how we communicate that is, hopefully we find better approaches to how we communicate that. Anything you want to add to any of these, Ashley? No, I feel like I've heard a, a version of all of these in different settings of life. And these are all just really hard because there's not a whole lot you can respond to when you hear stuff like this, right? It doesn't give space for the other person to have any sort of emotional reaction or a dialogue, right? It just kind of, it ends the conversation and it's a sort of like a, this is why I, and the why is because I just said so. And like, that's the end of the conversation. So it's very tough to hear these types of messages. Yeah. All of these communicate the same thing from the leader, which is I'm done listening to you. You can't have that approach. If some, because people continue to say the same message, it generally means that they don't feel like they're being heard. Right. So important to, to remember. So let's look now at this template, which I'm excited to dive in. And this is a, a bare bones template, right? But if we have these five points when we're talking to our team and we've established trust, you can craft a message that's going to connect with the team regardless of the level, regardless of the size. If somebody posts a video of you saying this online, like people are going to see this video and make, you know, that actually, they did a pretty good job communicating that. They really made their team feel seen and heard. They were compassionate and empathetic in their approach. So the first is addressing the pain point. When you know what your team's experiencing, when you're in tune with them, you're listening, you're open to feedback, you've established trust, you will know what your team is struggling with, what they're experiencing in those moments. So starting off with, I know this is what you're experiencing. Then talking through the solution that you've come up with. And it's not always going to be a perfect solution. And people don't expect perfection, but they do want effort. So just acknowledging we are, we've heard you, we're making an effort. This is what we're doing. This is how it benefits you personally. This change is how it benefits you personally. This is how it's going to help the team. And then the next step is what you expect from your team. This is the plan. Here's what we can do moving forward. Jada has a, a great question here. What if there is no solution? Because you're correct. Like sometimes what if an employee says, hey, we want to drink White Claws at lunch. And like maybe that's just not going to be an option for your business. But when there are situations that you just don't have a solution for, maybe there's not budget for, maybe it's just not a priority. Is coming back and acknowledging, we've heard you, this is why we're not taking action on it, or this is why we're not taking action on it yet, to at least let them know that you've thought critically about, about their solution and the problem that they brought to you. I think just take, making that effort to follow up with people goes a long ways, because again, people don't expect perfection, they just expect effort, but you can also then point out where you are making improvements to help them out. As long as it's genuine and they feel like it's they're feeling they're, they are heard and you're showing them that they're heard, you can still establish that trust even when the answer is, is not the one that they're looking for. Any other thoughts or questions on this this template? Lynn, we'll, we'll go through an example here in a moment. I think, Jacob, one thing I wanted to add to that last point you made is even if there is no solution, even if, you know, let's say like the budget is the problem or there's an external factor that's preventing whatever thing from taking place, after you deliver that message of a, there's really no solution, I think it's really important, and I think this oftentimes gets missed, but just sitting with that person and saying, like, how does that make you feel? Like, what are you feeling as a result of that message? 
And I have extracted so many insights, so much trust and just developed, I think, the connection I have with a lot of my direct reports by after delivering that message, I just sit with them in the feeling and let them know that like I'm feeling that frustration with them or I'm experiencing that with them, even if it doesn't mean I can do anything about it, but more so just letting them know that they're not alone in that. I would highly recommend doing that too. The other thing I'll add, if we go back into what prevents us from understanding our team, the, the emotional piece, right? It's really important that when we are delivering a message, especially if it's a hard message, that we understand the emotions that we're feeling in that, at that time and how it's going to impact how it's delivered, how it's going to impact our body language, our tone, because all of these things are going to impact how that message is communicated and understood from our team. So if there are things that we need to do before we get on stage and share a message uh, with our team, maybe it's like taking a five-minute break and just getting our breathing under control or going on a quick walk or making sure we get a good night's sleep the night before, those things will all help us be more impactful. And then Monica adds, it seems like saying, I know you're experiencing could come off as presumptuous or patronistic. Seems easy to completely miss the boat here. Do you want to touch on that one a little bit, Ashley? Yeah, I would say that, Monica, it's a great point. It's a great call out. Never wanting to come across as sort of presumptuous or that. I think the first thing is really seeing this framework as it's just a framework. It's not necessarily those exact words that you would use. So I would encourage you to think through how you might phrase that that sounds more natural to you. And really with kind of that first part of this framework where I know you are experiencing, really what this is saying is that you're acknowledging the problem. You're acknowledging the feeling. You're acknowledging the situation. You don't have to say the words, I know you are experiencing or I know you're struggling with X, but it's more so let's call it what it is. And then from there, you're presenting the solution after you've aligned on, hey, this is what the core, what the root of the issue is. I want to add to that is use the language that your team uses. So when they talk about the problem in an authentic way, like don't fake it, don't try to like fit in and be, you know, talk like a high schooler if that's your audience or whatever, right? But be authentic, but talk about the problem the same way that they talk about it, right? You really want to show that that's another way to show that you're, you're really in the weeds with them when you understand where they're coming from. That's a great call out. Yeah, I would not say use these five lines when you're in front of on stage with your team um, and expect it to have an impact. It's more about these are the things that you should be talking about and then talking about it how you would because it should feel like a natural conversational type of dialogue. Great, great questions here. So here's an example that we have and then we'd love to hear from a few of you on how you maybe use a similar version of this template or just ideas that you have. We know this is an incredible group of brilliant people on just ideas and best practices that you have when it comes to communicating clearly with your team and setting the stage. So I know your experience. So we had uh, at work week, we have a new initiative. Well, it's not new, it's been around, but um, the initiative is no meetings on Fridays. And really the intent is to make sure that there's more of a, a balance in work life so that people have time to get things caught up and not thinking about work on the weekend so they can enjoy the times, enjoy the things that they like to do and come back to work, right? Refreshed and rejuvenated. So here's an example of what that might look like. So I know you're experiencing difficulties with work-life balance. That's why we implemented No Meeting Fridays. This will let you wrap up your work so you can enjoy the weekend and you'll be able to come back on Monday refreshed and rejuvenated. Now our founders, Beck and Adam, they never would be on a call and save like this, right? But when they did introduce it, they used these elements to make sure that the team understood why they were making the change. And it has showed everybody that, hey, these founders are listening to us. And we're fortunate to work for great founders that 
have our backs and listen to us when we bring problems to them and really want to be part of the solution. But this is just one example of, of things that we've done here. Tish, something they have a, a similar, we named it Focus Fridays, but we eventually went away when we realized that was only time we had to meet. So sometimes it's tough with these initiatives. It is a slippery <laughs> slope when you start diving into that time. I'm not going to say I've never met with Ashley on a Friday. It definitely has come up when, when things hit crunch time, but we try to do a pretty good job with it. Yeah. And Tish, kind of what you're calling out here, I think perhaps this kind of part two of this template is these initiatives, these things that you're proposing, they may not always land. They may not always create that change. So part two of this is creating space and giving clear instructions for how employees and teammates can give you feedback on how that change actually shows up for them. So if the intention is to create more work-life balance and create a space where, you know, employees can focus more on Fridays, but it eventually became the only time that people could meet, well, the intention was good, but the execution may have been off. And so creating space for people to give feedback on, you know, this initiative or, you know, whatever it may be, I think is part two of that effective communication framework. I love it. So I want to hear from from the group now. Maybe somebody would want, like to come off mute and share best practices when it comes to setting the stage for effective communication, something that they've taught or learned from a mentor. Put it in the chat as well. We'd love to call you out. Or if you have any examples of how you could bring this framework to life, we would love to hear from you. And this has been a really engaged group. Like I love these virtual events. It's been yeah. so much fun to hear from everybody and just seeing the different questions that we have and, and the contribution. I just feel really blessed to be working with Leaders Lens and have such an incredible community of people. We just hit, um, we're almost at 24,000 subscribers Woo. with close to a 50% open rate. So the fact that I write an email about leadership and 12,000 people open it is blows my mind because I did not start my career here. Like in, I just turned 40 for people that don't know that much about me, but up until 30, I was pretty much the party guy. Like I just would go out on the weekends and I drank and that was my identity but I hit 30 and I was like, I need something else with my life because this isn't quite cutting it. This is not what I want to, my kids to have as a father. And I made a change. I started focusing on development. So the fact that I can now write about leadership for a living, I am just so grateful and humbled for the opportunity every single week. And the fact that we had like 200 people register for this event, we had like 70 people here now is just absolutely incredible. Thank you all so much. That was a super tangent, nothing to do with communication, but I felt called to share that story. How can we get your newsletter? Nicole, if you'll message me your email, I'll make sure you get signed up for it. Not just listening, comprehension. That's a big one, Jada. There definitely is a difference between just listening and understanding what somebody is telling us. And sometimes we have to read between the lines. We have to be aware of tone and body language. A lot goes in there. Absolutely. Kimberly, I really love this comment. And I, I do this all the time. And it's really actually helpful for my memorization when I'm in a meeting to recall facts is relaying back to somebody what they just said to you to make sure you understood it. And it's important to rephrase that in your own words versus repeating exactly what that person said verbatim because you're ensuring that that message was translated effectively to your own thoughts and your own interpretation. So I really love that. I love it, Mario. Reframing what you think you heard. Super important when I remembered. Love that. Sometimes restating it as well, right? To make sure you're on the same page. Like what I'm understanding you're saying is this, is that correct? Just shows them that you're listening and then they also have a chance to correct if you are off a little bit. So beautiful, beautiful example. And if you want to even go further, I also do this in my meeting follow-up. So I would love for y'all to steal this too. But if I'm in a kind of a 
more of like a strategic meeting or if there's not really clear action items, but whatever we came up with in that discussion, whatever resolution or whatever understanding we came to, I will send a follow-up email and I have a section where it says recap. And then there's a section that says next steps and they're just bulleted lists for both of them. And I, in the recap, I try to keep it to three bullet points. What were the main things that came out of that meeting, but it's in my own interpretation. And so I write that down and I write down the clear next step. So it's very clear who owns what, but then before I sign off, I say, did I miss anything or did I misinterpret anything here? And so it gives them that space to, to react to it. And it's also then in a written word too. So it's one thing to say something over a Zoom call and perhaps it might get lost. Because again, going back to the, why is effective communication so hard? It's, there's just a lot of noise. So the more you can kind of consistently repeat that message, I think the better off you're going to be. It's been very helpful for me at least. We know y'all have a lot to get done on this Thursday as incredible leaders who are out there inspiring their teams helping people live better, more fulfilled lives. Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate you. I'll hang out a little bit if anybody has questions, but other than that, enjoy your Thursday. Looking forward to, uh, to staying in touch. And also, I'm in the process of selling my house right now, so I've been time has been a little tight. So I've gotten behind on responses to the emails. So if you've sent me a reply recently, I haven't got back to you, I'm working on getting caught up, but keep the responses coming. I love seeing them. And for the folks asking about the newsletter, there'll be an email that, that goes out after this as a follow-up. So whatever email that you use to register for the event, you'll get information on the newsletter. And also, as Jacob mentioned earlier, there's a course coming out on effective communication that we're going to be dropping here soon in the next month or so. So that'll be coming your way as well. More information on that. Everybody else have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 